Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Discovery Bible Podcast. Michael and I are going to jump right into the discussion today of Mark chapter 6 and 7. It's been a great study so far as we've discussed so many different things in the Gospel of Mark. This week, we are going to discuss some of the Pharisees and how they approach Jesus and how they try to trap Jesus, what they want to try to prove a point and Jesus takes their question and really just flips it around and says, you know what? You don't understand what the kingdom of God is all about. You don't get it. And as we look into this episode, I know it's been challenging for for us, for me. Uh, It's been good to to take a moment to kind of sit back and think about what is it that God would have me to learn from this in my life. So I hope that you really enjoy this week's episode. Take time to read it for yourself, hopefully, to go back and study and see how the Word of God speaks to you because this isn't something that we want to just say this is our opinion of the Gospel of Mark. We want you to take this, what we have said, and then go and read it for yourself. Apply it to your own biblical studies. Apply it to your life and see how the Lord would speak to you. So I hope you enjoy this episode as we jump in and talk about the Gentile mother's faith. We talk about how Jesus discusses many of the questions with the Pharisees and turns them around and and presents the questions right back to them and really gets to the heart of the law. It's not all about just what you do. It's also about why you do what you do and the heart behind it. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and thanks for studying along and listening along with us. Okay, here we are once again. Time to get started on uh, wrapping up Mark chapter 6, verse 53, and we're going to jump into uh, Mark chapter 7 today. So, a lot to cover. Um, Michael, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Doing good, man. Good. S- staying busy good. as always. How yeah. about you? Oh, doing good, doing good. Uh, if you remember last time, we talked about these disciples who had hard hearts. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Odd concept, for yeah. sure. Yeah. One yeah. that we'll touch on. Here in a bit, I think mm-hmm. uh, the mirroring story for this is in eight, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for now, keep that idea. Kind of put a put a pin in that. Yep. And then we'll jump into the end, like you said, the end of six, and then into right. seven. Um, you want to just start? Yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's uh let's jump in with uh Mark six thirty five. And uh, I think it's like, 53, sorry, 53, dyslexic. Man, I am. I'm very dyslexic today. So I've done that a couple times. It's 35. So 53. And I think that it's good to start here as we jump into chapter seven, because uh, it really kind of carries through. I, th- I think it's yeah, a thought that needs to sure. keep rolling and even even further back. But we definitely need to kind of tie in chapter six and seven to kind of thread them together. Yeah, so, yeah. Like we've said before, it's, there were not chapters. There weren't chapters. There yep. weren't verses. That is a much later construct. So yep. I think reading these uh, without the chapter break is a good thing. So Absolutely. So we'll, we'll start in verse 53. Um, it says, When they had crossed over, this is Jesus and the disciples in the boat, uh, they came to a land uh, at Gennesaret and beached the boat, and they got out of the boat. Uh, when they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout that vicinity and carried... Uh, began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Uh, wherever he would go, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the tassel of his robe, and everyone who touched it was made well. 
Yeah. So that that's the end of chapter six. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything specific about that that little excerpt there? Oh well, it's just interesting that uh, we have people once uh, once again trying to touch the tassel of his garment. Yeah, because we've seen that before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very notably, it was it two chapters back. Yeah, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I mean the story of yep. you know the woman who'd been bleeding mm-hmm. just touched the yeah, the corner five. of his robe, um, mm-hmm. and then you know she was healed. Yeah. So yeah. And so now we have stories of lots of people. Yeah, and this is maybe not something we need to focus on, but I've always wondered like, do people hear about that? They're like, hey, she got healed from just touching the robe. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we talked about you know the why this this lady was healed because of her faith mm-hmm. in Jesus like mm-hmm. she knew mm-hmm. that it, that's why he said you know your faith has healed you yeah and so i think that it it doesn't have to do with like just touching the robe i mean obviously that's not why they were right. healed i mean these people i'm assuming also had faith that right. jesus had the power to heal them right it wasn't just oh his robe is magical mhm mhm right right absolutely yeah and and like you said they had to have a level of faith they had to believe that Mm-hmm. And surely it was through stories. Yeah, there's there's no reason that people would be gathering around him unless they knew who he was. His yeah. reputation literally preceded him. Yeah, they knew who Jesus was. They knew who he claimed to be, and people are rushing to mm-hmm. see who is this godlike man. Yeah, except for the people in Nazareth. Yeah, yeah, they, except they for didn't the care. people in his own town. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't exactly accept him. For who he claims to be. Yeah. Where people in this region, they say, wow, we've heard the stories of who Jesus is, who he claims to be, and what he's done. Let's go see for ourselves. And so they did have that level of faith. So, yeah. Yeah. And interesting. I, and we'll go more into the whole idea of, you know, your faith in th- the faith and the, the, the belief in who Christ was, who he claimed to be, just going forward here. Yeah. Um, and why that becomes an issue. Right. Um, for those who believe it and those who don't. Right. Um, so we'll jump into seven here. I'll start in here, and it's uh, we're going to get into the Pharisees again. Uh, so seven one, the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating their bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. Okay, can we pause right there for just a second? Sure. I love it that Mark, as he's like writing this down, he's he's like telling the story, and he says, and his disciples were eating their bread with unwashed hands. He's like, pause, and he like gives us like a little side thought. For the Pharisees, in fact, all the Jews, he's like, you know, not just the Pharisees, but like all the Jews will not eat anything unless they wash their hands ritually keeping with the tradition of the elders you know he, it's like he has to like pause and like yeah tell this so, like l- let me make sure that you understand exactly what this means so like yeah <laughs> verse three and four are basically like they're in parentheses here mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he says like for the pharisees like you said in fact all the jews will not eat unless they wash their hands ritually keeping the tradition of the elders um and then verse four when they come from the marketplace they do not eat unless they have washed and there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, jugs, copper utensils, and dining couches. Mm-hmm. So he just gives this little aside to kind of yeah. give us some some understanding of where the Pharisees are coming from here. Yes, and so this is nice because Mark doesn't do this a whole lot. No. But he, he says, hey, 
for all you non-Jewish readers, <laughs> mm-hmm. me, you know, yeah, uh, for uh, most of us, for all you non-Jewish leaders that aren't quite sure what it means to have unclean or unwashed hands, this is a little thought. And he, he like, pauses the story to explain it. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Mark. That's great. Yeah, and it's nice because he does this so that you understand Jesus's response. Yes. Which which is what we'll get into. Yes, yes. So let me just, we can talk about it, but let me go into five. Yeah, Uh, for sure. It says, then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ritually unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. Disregarding the command of God, you keep the tradition of men. And I'll just keep going. Uh, He also said, verse 9, he also said to them, you completely invalidate God's command in order to maintain the tradition for Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is korban, that is gifted, that is a gift committed to the temple. And and again, that's in parentheses, so it's like Mark stepping aside. He's like, this is what it means. The gift is korban. Hey, by the way, reader, listen to this. Korban is just a gift that you would give to the temple. Okay, let's keep telling the story. Yeah. Verse 12, you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. You revoke God's word by your tradition, and you have handed down, that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. If anyone has ears to hear, he should listen. So we'll pause there. Yeah. Yeah. Lots going on right here. Yeah. So first of all, let's kind of take it from the top and just kind of work through this a little bit. So uh, the Pharisees come up to Jesus. They're like, hey, why are your disciples not following the law, not listening to the instructions? You should wash your hands. This mirrors something. This mirrors a story we've seen before. The Pharisees coming up and saying, hey, why are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Again, a tradition. Why, Mm -hmm. Why are they not following, you know? Um, something that we've seen Moses has declared, something that is followed just in Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. What gives? Yeah, yeah. So he's questioning Jesus, and and they're they're like, "What's going on here? What? Why are you doing this?" And Jesus turns around and says, "Man, Isaiah got it right about you guys." Yeah. And I'm sure that this is not what they wanted to hear, and I'm sure that they did not consider these people. What Isaiah says as these people, yeah, I'm sure that they did not consider themselves oh, absolutely to be so these people. That's Isaiah 29:13 mm-hmm. that he quotes there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure. I mean, they're familiar with Isaiah. Oh yeah, and yeah. so they're like, well, Isaiah wasn't talking about us there, yeah, and then Jesus is like, yeah, he super was. Yeah, this is you. You are these people who honor me with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. Mm-hmm. They worship me in vain. Teaching is doctrines, the commands of men. And that's an interesting thing. He says, you are making these commands of men yeah. as if they are the laws of God. And that was something I was going to say. Uh, if you look at this passage, you see the word tradition in here several times. I think mm-hmm. it's three times. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Mark, what Mark is doing, what Jesus is trying to do, mm-hmm. is really give this 
very clear message about how fascinated and addicted and bound the Pharisees are to tradition. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Right. You were focused on tradition. You're missing the point. Right, right. Absolutely. And this, I think, is also another interesting uh, moment in the book of Mark, because up until this point, Jesus really doesn't go on very long speeches. I, we, we've seen a few of them, the parables. We've seen the parables, and we've we've talked about the house divided. But for the most part, Jesus doesn't have a very long narrative. That yeah. And now all of a sudden, it's like the Pharisees come out, and Jesus just unloads on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's just like, you know, here's something that you all need to hear. Yeah. And and he, he really just lets them have it. These people, you guys, you don't get it. Your heart is far from me. You worship me in vain. Mm-hmm. And you're setting up these doctrines as if they're the very words of God. God's not the really concerned about whether you just washed your hands or not. Absolutely. That's not really what concerns God. And so he keeps on going, and then he he really kind of lays into him. He says, you know what? You, in fact, not only have been dishonoring God, but you've completely invalidated God's command in order to maintain your tradition, which is what you were just talking about, the traditions. Yeah, right there. And then he brings one up. He says, how about honor your father and your mother? Whoa, okay. And then he's looking at them as he's speaking, no doubt. And he says, whoever speaks evil of the father or mother must be put to death. That's that's the reality. If if you dishonor mom and dad, here's here's what God actually cares about. How about honor your parents? Yeah. There's something that God actually cares about. And we can get into that and, and you know, we, we will maybe at a later time, but for right now, Let's say... This is an example of a bigger point Jesus yes, is trying to make. Yes, exactly. Jesus is saying, God is actually concerned about this. He doesn't really care about your washed hands or unwashed hands, but he does care about how you treat other people, especially your parents. And you know what you all do? You tell your mom and dad that something that you might take that they're not exactly pleased that you're taking... You're like, oh, it's just considered a gift for the temple. Because where do you work? Oh, you're you're a servant of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pharisee, you walk up to your parents and, and you dishonor them. But th- because it benefits you, you feel like you can take it. And you turn to your parents and say, oh, it's just Corbin. It's just a gift to God. May God bless you today. Yeah. Whoa. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, for all in, intents and purposes, I'm going to steal from my parents. And basically write it off as a gift to God. Yep. So I don't need to honor. I don't. I don't need to give anything to good old mom and pop. Right. I can just keep it for myself. Absolutely. And God's. God's. I have figured out a, a way inside of our traditions mm-hmm. to write this off. Yeah. It's like almost like you're doing your taxes and you find a really good like. There's a good loophole. Yep. There we go. Found it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he says that you revoke God's word by your tradition. Man, he's he's like calling him out. Yeah. Can I go back a little bit? Because I feel like this is a theme Jesus is driving home. Yeah. Like, so we go back and we have the story of them picking grain on yeah, Sabbath. Right. And Jesus, the point he makes is, don't worry about that tradition. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm concerned about. Right. And then, so this is just, and then they bring it up again. And right. Jesus bring like just shoots home the same point. They say, hey, why are they eating with 
unclean hands. And he's like, you know what? It's not about the tradition. He's like, you've given me these two examples. I'm going to go one further. I'm going to he's picking out specific and I'm sure it's all over the place for him to do. But he's picking out specific traditions that have been brought up by the Pharisees and then used incorrectly and completely ignored the the basis and the thought process behind the tradition. It's and then at the end of this, we're going to go into this. He basically he does this. And then he gathers a crowd yeah. to, like, pu- I hate to almost say this, but I think he does, publicly humiliate the Pharisees. Points them out. He says, hey, crowd, come here. I got something to tell you. Mm-hmm. These guys, mm-hmm. they're messing it all up. Yep. And and as he has just explained the whole idea of what you've done dishonoring your parents, and then he says, and you do many other similar things. Nah, like, yeah, that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> that's I, not the only I one. I picked the high points, yes. but you guys are really messing up. You know, and I don't have to go through every single one. But yeah. like th- I could, th- but I won't. I could, yes. And like you said, he summons a crowd. He says, listen to me. He listen to me and understand. And then he's, he brings it back to the whole hand thing. He says, just because you eat something and you didn't, thoroughly wash your hands before you ate that apple doesn't mean that you are all of a sudden a corrupt individual. Right? Yeah. He, he's, he says that's not what messes up a person. That's not what defiles a man. That's not what causes them to be unclean in the sight of God. Instead, it's what comes out of yeah. a person. Yeah. That is what defiles a person. It's not about whether you eat an apple or anything else with ritually unclean hands. Yeah. And and we have a little side note here that Mark makes again at the very end of verse 19. And he says, and this is in parentheses, or, you know, it, it's it's not the words of Jesus. He says, as a result, he, meaning Jesus, has made all food clean. Yeah. Because we know before the Jews had this very strict law of what you could and could not eat. Like kosher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And and Mark sees this as a time where it's like, look, it's not about those laws. It's not about whether or not you wash your hands. Mm-hmm. And it's not about what you put in a person. It's about what comes out, about what's in the heart that God actually cares about. Yeah. It's, it's not just about, you know, hey, was this food or this drink according to the law? Yeah. And I think, again, you don't want to come—I mean— in the Old Testament, you have, like, these laws. But, again, the laws are to drive home a point. Right. It's not that, right. oh, this animal is unclean. It's like, no, God is trying to tell you something by giving you these laws. And observing the law is a physical reminder of a spiritual truth. Right. Right? Right. And so I just think that's so interesting now that we got to this point where it's like the physical reminder of the spiritual truth has become so overshadowing mm-hmm. that the spiritual truth is just it's almost lost, lost. completely yeah. yeah yeah and and we will go through these laws at some point yeah on the road yeah and I they're wait. interesting they are they are and and they serve a purpose yeah a good purpose mm-hmm. of appointing people to god mm-hmm. to remind people look god is holy mm-hmm. and people we mess up yeah and there there is a good a beautiful picture actually in the old testament about what it means to be holy yeah and we can see it reflected in many of these laws but the pharisees have corrupted these laws mm-hmm. and said keep the laws 
and it doesn't really matter about a lot of these other things. Yeah. And Jesus says, no. If you keep the laws, God's good with you, <laughs> is what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Yes. If you take too many steps on the Sabbath, though, you, you've messed up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Jesus says, you can have a very messed up heart, and you can keep the law. Yeah. Which one do you think God's more concerned about? That you kept the letter, that you didn't take too many steps on the Sabbath? Or that, or that you are a completely rotten heart on the inside that ha- wants nothing to do with God. Which yeah. one do you think God's more concerned about? That's yeah. what he's getting at here. Yeah. He says, you may follow the law, Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Pharisees, you might keep this, but your heart is far from me. Yeah. I mean, he's quoting Isaiah. He says, yeah. he got it right. Yeah, he Isaiah did. Isaiah got it right. He yeah. nailed it. And that's a good question that we need to consider of ourselves because I think as modern Christians— you know, we we have our own set, maybe not of the Mosaic law, but we have a lot of things that we like to put on our checklist that make us feel good about ourselves. Did we go to church on Sunday? Well, check. Have I treated people, for the most part, decent this week? Check. Yeah. Or, and we can fill in the blank. Did we have devotions? Did we do this? Did we bring, treat our kids? Yeah, there's what unlimited a, things you could. You can literally fill in, fill the, in box. the box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we like to create a construct of this is the way we should live. The question that we should be asking is where's your heart before God? Do you have a heart that is desiring God in all those steps, in all those things? Yeah. That's way more important. So you can do those right things. You can go to church and have a bad attitude about it. Yeah. You can give a tithe and be mad about it. Mm-hmm. Do you think God is pleased with that tithe or pleased with the fact that you walked through the door yeah. and you're angry about at your wife or your kids or something? Like, are you actually going to go worship no. God with an open and honest and pure heart when you're angry over here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we really have to take a look at ourselves. Yeah. Say, Am I acting more as, as a Pharisee? Yeah. Pharisaical way? Because it might not be washing hands that we're getting pounced all over no we're not keeping like levitical law mm-hmm. right now right uh, i mean that's not something we do in our society but mm-hmm. you can fill it in with something absolutely uh, the the major picture here is are you being outwardly pious while inwardly rotten mm-hmm. or are you letting the your inward thoughts your inward uh not holiness but your inward feelings drive your life right Right, and you know, at the end of it, uh, you you gave a really good summary because you know Jesus talks to the Pharisees, draws the crowd, says, "Hey, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. You're ruining, you're ruining the God's law mm-hmm. for these people." Right, and then he takes his disciples away, and he says, "Hey, this is what I mean by all this." Right, um, right, and he in verse twenty, after he says, you know, in verse nineteen, as you touched on, as a result, you know, he made all foods clean. Mm-hmm. That's a big aspect of this. And then in 20, he says, what comes out of a person, that defiles him. Right, right. For from within, y- you have something to say? I'm sorry. Well, uh, I was just going to say, we're just about to get into a list. And yeah. we're we're going to take a moment, as, and we're going to kind of explore this list. So, okay, yeah. So um, let's take a moment, and, and we're going to jump into this list and see what Jesus is actually saying. Because lots of times when I hit a list, I tend to either skim over it, or lump them all together. Yeah. And we don't want to do that because I think 
the lists are generally good things or bad things. And, and, we, and you can be basically be like, that was a good list. That's a good list. And that was a bad list. Yeah. Okay, keep reading. Yeah. 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 So let's let's take a look at this list. Okay? Sounds good. All right. Okay, so we just went through uh, this story about Jesus speaking with the Pharisees and basically saying, hey, you're keeping tradition, but on the inside, you're you're messed up. Yeah. You've got an outward, uh, outwardly good appearance, but on the inside. And so then we go into this list. Mm-hmm. And like we just said, oftentimes when we, we meet a list in Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, we will— just kind of skim over it. It's yeah. a good list or a bad list. Don't do these things. You or, should do these or things. Or do these things. Yeah, the right. fruit of the Spirit is, you know, X, Y, Z. So with this, I think it's super important, and I think, you know, your kind of conviction on this is we need to take a little bit more time, dive into this list, at least on a few of these, mm-hmm. and understand the severity mm-hmm. of what Jesus is saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, at least for me, when I read this, just... I'll read it here in a second, but when I read the things in this list, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to excuse myself from mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. because I'm just kind of like I'm I'm almost under the radar. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I can I can generalize these terms enough mm-hmm. that it's like, oh uh, yeah, I'm kind of doing that, but right. not really. That's not right. actually what that is. Right. But when you really dig into it, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the actual definition, the Greek. Mm-hmm. meaning of this mm-hmm. i am doing that. Mm-hmm. shoot mm-hmm. um and so in the context jesus is convicting the pharisees of doing these things mm-hmm. and you know hopefully his listeners are understanding it as well mm-hmm. which are the disciples because this right. is in the, the spot where he's talking to the disciples so i'll just jump into this list and then we'll go through it and then we'll go through a few we'll, we'll pick out a few of these because i don't think we have time to do all of these words no we'll just pick out a few and yep. say hey this is what Jesus is saying mm-hmm. in the Greek. Okay, mm-hmm. so verse 21, uh, I'll go back to 20. Then he said to them, what comes out of a person that defiles him? For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, promiscuity, stinginess, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Quite a list there. Yeah, it is. And that kind of ends the narrative yeah. of that section. And then it's like, and moving on. And yeah, in verse 24, he got up and departed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the story. He has this conflict with the Pharisees, and they want to try to call him out, and Jesus calls them out Yeah. instead. And he says, man, it's not about these washed or unwashed hands like let's take a look at the heart for a minute yeah and he says it's not about what you put into a person whether you take the apple with an unwashed hand. yeah whether whether you eat fruits or vegetables or meats or what whatever that's not what god's concerned about no but what he is concerned about is this the things that come out of an individual's heart out of their maybe what we would say in modern context what comes out of their mind Mm -hmm. what is a person made out of and and it, he goes through this pretty extensive list, list. Evil thoughts. 
Okay, so we we could go through each and every single one of these, but I'm not going to take the time to do that because we just don't have enough time. Can I do a little corollary there? Sure. I, I was thinking about this. Sure. I was like, it doesn't matter what you put into your body, mm-hmm. but I think we do. Eventually, mm-hmm. we talk about how the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sure. So we don't just want to say you can eat or put whatever into your body <laughs> that you want and God doesn't care. <laughs> right. He absolutely cares what you right. do to your body. Right. And he right. wants your body, you know, to for you to treat it with respect as a temple for the Holy Spirit as Christians. But in this narrative, what we're speaking of is we're not focused on actions. Mm -hmm. We're focused on what's within the heart and driving those actions. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, I'm sorry. I felt like I needed to. Okay, yeah, glad you brought that out. And um, as we go through this list, like we said before, it's like, man, lots of times I come to a list in the Bible and it's like, wow, that's a lot of bad things or that's a lot of good things. So do this or don't do that. Well, okay. As I read through this, it's kind of like, yep, sexual immoralities, okay, adulteries, yep, 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 don't be greedy, yep, don't be evil. Check, check, yep, yep, check, yep, check. Don't, don't do all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got it. And that's why I said I felt like I can kind of dismiss myself from these. Yeah. I'm not greedy, check. I, well, to an extent, I'm not greedy, check. I'm not, not that greedy. Right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sinfully greedy. Right, right. I'm under the radar, like, mm-hmm. okay greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what I think, I'm again, we're not going to take the time to go through each and every single one of these, but if you actually look at them, these are major character flaws within individuals yeah. that Jesus is talking about. Yeah. He says, the people who have major character flaws, that is corruption. That is what God's concerned about. Mm-hmm. And people who practice sexual immorality, and I, th- I would s- say in- encourage people, go and dig a little bit in what Jesus is actually saying in these Theft and murder, that's pretty straightforward. Adulteries, that's pretty straightforward. Greed, man, greed? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. That's a major sin that Jesus is talking about? Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's on the list. Actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that this is this is talking about, it's it's a, an attempt to, to take something that really you shouldn't have. That That's the idea of, like, I, I want this, this greediness that, has God given that to you? Or are you like chasing so hard after something and your mindset is so consumed by something that it is taking away from who God is and God's place in your life? Mm. Are, are you tracking with this or are you tracking with God? Because greed derails us from God. Yeah. And so if, I, if I'm greedy over, and that could be anything, literally anything, yeah. my heart can be greedy for something. Whether it be a uh, possession Mm-hmm. Or something non-material, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, a job, uh, you know, any of that, yeah, yeah, financial situation, house, car, a relationship, yeah, I can be greedy over you. Fill in the blank. Every, yeah, everybody's going to have a different point by which they are tempted with greed. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody's going to have something a little bit different. Promiscuity. Uh, we we have all these things. Okay, so here's one, an evil eye <laughs> or an eye for evil i like that that's an interesting one right um a mischievous working eye with the meaning to basically injure the people around you it's it it's i i can think of a, a few people in my past where it's like you know that they're up to no good just by kind of like the look yeah. In their eye. And 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 that's kind of where I go to. It's just like they are after something that is um it, it's not meant for the good of people around them. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and that's the idea of of this it's they have this evil evilness about them that they're 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 seeking after evil intentions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it's it's more than just a glance towards evilness yeah it's more than just like you're giving a dirty look that's yeah. what that's what i always yeah. kind of come to it's like you're like staring daggers at somebody right right yeah right, yeah it's it's more than that it's an attitude of the heart it's mm-hmm. not just like i'm minorly annoyed at you right and and let's go on to this this last one this idea of foolishness okay so this one i i think this is whenever i've read this when and I come through this list and it's like, oh yeah. And in case I missed anything, don't be foolish. That's <laughs> it's like, like a, the catch-all. It's, yeah, it's like yeah, foolishness is like a like you said a catch-all for like any silly or dumb thing that you could ever do. Don't do it. Put that in the basket of foolishness and yeah, don't do that because obviously everything that we just listed was foolish behavior. Okay, so there's like a quote from The Office, mm-hmm. and like it's Michael talking to Dwight. Do you know what I'm I'm going with this? Go ahead. And I, he's like, I can't remember exactly what he says. He's like, don't, don't be an idiot or something like that. And he's like, when I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if it, if he would, I don't do that. I don't thing. do that thing. I don't do that thing. And I think that like <laughs> that's where I get foolishness. It's like yeah. anything that an idiot would do. Would an idiot do that? Don't do that thing. Don't do that thing. Don't be foolish. That's foolish. That's foolish. Yeah. So, so that's where we tend to go with it, right? Yeah. I don't think that's a biblical intention, okay? Yeah, so no, I don't it, think so either. Not, that's not it, but I like where we're tracking here because that's what we think when mm-hmm. we hear the word foolish. It's like childlike foolishness, Yeah, right? it, it doesn't mean my seven-year-old is going to go pick up a baseball and throw it as hard as he can at his little brother and mm-hmm. give him a black eye. Like, that, yeah. that's not, that's foolish, and that's how... Yeah. Typically, in my definition of foolishness, that would be the, the criteria of, yeah. don't be foolish. Yeah. Right? Jesus is saying more than that. Mm-hmm. He's saying that this idea of foolishness is when you have the ability to reason and think, and you are setting it aside and intentionally walking into an area that will lend itself to bad behavior. Yeah. That is foolishness. You are laying aside your ability to think and to reason. It's not just saying somebody who has, like, weak ability to reason through things. Yeah, because they haven't been taught, like, this is a bad idea. A little yeah. bit naive, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. if you go do this, then this will probably happen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's saying regardless of what you've been taught, regardless of the level of your intellect, mm-hmm. there are certain things that you should be able to make a moral judgment uh, based upon good character mm-hmm. to say, that's a bad idea. Yeah. I shouldn't put myself in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. But you choose to do it anyways, that is foolish. Yeah. Like knowing the right way, but intentionally putting that thought process aside and mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to go put myself in a situation where this XYZ right. could occur to me. Right. Or, or could could happen to me. Right. And I don't want to just like skim over the other list because the other l- part of this list is extremely weighty. But I don't know who all we have listening on this podcast yeah. today. And, we can and come back to the list yeah. and yeah. say, here's the list of you know. It, I think the purpose of us just kind of taking a little, a little, a little, I don't know, venture into the deep end of mm-hmm. this list mm-hmm. is just to not, in my mind, disqualify all of these things on the list from myself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know what? Yes, the Pharisees were messed up. And do I 
struggle with the idea of or the the concept of presenting myself as really holy while having a bad heart. I don't know if I do, especially to the level of the Pharisees of like, hey, I am a religious leader. Like, I don't do that. But do we kind of give ourselves a free pass and say, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a Christian. I don't steal. I don't I don't murder. I don't murder. I mean, I got maybe a little bit of greed in my heart, but I'm not hurting anybody with it. Exactly. Like, exactly. Everybody's got a little bit of pride. Surely it's like not I'm on a I'm like a three on yeah. a one to ten. Yeah, yeah. So I have some pride. I have I mean, who hasn't done some foolishness? Yeah. Jesus is kind of digging a little bit more than that. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's to the to the disciples and definitely to the Pharisees, he's saying, Hey, take a look at yourself. Yeah. And then he wraps it up all by saying, All these evil things come from within. And they defile a person. Yeah. That's what God's concerned about. Is this This is the takeaway. Yeah. Are these the things that are tethered to your character? Yeah. That's what God really is concerned about. Mm -hmm. Let's let's not worry. Let's not get on each other's case about washed or unwashed hands. Yeah. If you are actually concerned about your standing some somebody in front of you standing before God, this these are the type of things that I need to be concerned about. Not about whether or not did you use open water before you grab that apple. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so let's uh let's keep on rolling. I think we spent enough time on on that. Let's keep on rolling into this next section. And it's 24. Yeah. So Jesus uh it says he, verse 24 like I said, he got up and departed from there to the region of uh, Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Surprise, surprise. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was Greek, uh, Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Allow the children to be satisfied first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So Jesus is telling a parable here to this woman, and she immediately understands it. Uh, she says, but she, re- it says, she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. Mm-hmm. Interesting story. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, in, again, it fits the theme right. of what Jesus is doing here, of the in my mind, Jesus is again trying to display who he is, mm-hmm. and the people that get it, those are the people that he performs these healings mm-hmm. for. The people that don't, their eyes are blind, yeah, their ears are deaf, yeah. So he basically has just turned away and reprimanded the Pharisees, and now when a Greek woman comes to him. He initially just kind of turns his back to her. Yeah. Mm, that's not why I'm here. Yeah. And tells that little parable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. he says, let the children, uh, allow the children to be satisfied because mm-hmm. it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Right. So who are the children? I mean, let, let's just break the let break it down. Who are the children? Yeah. So he's talking about the children of Israel. Yeah. And I th- w- we can get into this even more in uh, in some of the other gospels because I think some of the other gospels give a little bit more um, information yeah. on, on this story. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, if we read this at face value, 
we can pretty quickly say, what's what's the rub here? Why does Jesus have a problem with the this Greek, right? Wh- yeah. Wh- what's the problem with a uh, Greek woman? Yeah. Well, we know that Jesus came to the house of Israel first. Yeah. That's where the message of, of salvation was was to come to first, mm-hmm. and that's what he's saying. He says, allow the children to be satisfied first. Yeah. Right? It's not right to take from the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And and so that's what he says. She says, but but Lord, even dogs get a crumb. Can you just give me something? Yeah. And I think it's that humble attitude, that humility, and the level of faith that the woman exemplifies is what is is the difference maker. Yeah, I I think... There's two things that I kind of see here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the faith. It's mm-hmm. the it's always the faith. But the faith in what? The faith in like just Jesus is a cool guy. Mm-hmm. The faith. But I, I think it comes down to the faith and this understanding of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Like she's acknowledging that this guy is the Messiah who's right. coming first for the Jew mm-hmm. and then for the Gentile. Mm-hmm. Has been prophesied for mm-hmm. a long time. So mm-hmm. it's a faith in who Jesus is and who he says to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the difference. Yep. yep. And that's what we see, I feel like, in a lot of these healings. It's a faith in who Jesus is mm-hmm. and who he says to be. And that is what becomes an issue. That That's like the black and white in my mind of mm-hmm. the, the Pharisees and the Herodians and all these people who, who don't see Jesus for who he is. Mm-hmm. They see him... They, again, going back to tradition, they have seen the Messiah. They want a Messiah that fits into the the, the rule book Mm -hmm. of what they've made for themselves. Right. And the struggle is, do you see him as who he says to be, as God, or do you not? Mm -hmm. And that's the crux of the issue. Yep. And eventually what he's, you know, crucified for. Right. Right. For making a claim of what they obviously don't seem to be. So she sees him as Lord. She sees him as Lord. She sees him as what he says he is. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue here. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Th- sure. That's the theme you can track through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want to? Let's keep going. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's about as much as I. Well, there, there's gonna, we're going to revisit this again in, in later episodes when it comes to the same story in other Gospels. So, so we're, we don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I think it is important to realize exactly what you just said. Yeah. Those who recognize Jesus as the Lord mm-hmm. and those who don't. Yeah. And I've, I've struggled with this little story just because it, it does feel like, well, why, why are you turning her away? Well, yeah, I think that's what we, well, we've seen, I, I don't know. I feel like there's other examples in the Gospels where it's like Jesus seems kind of callous, mm-hmm. but you have to look at it from the perspective of, you know, Jesus isn't just there to heal everybody. Mm-hmm. All of the healings, all of the miracles, they serve a purpose. Right. They serve a purpose of displaying who he is. So why heal somebody who's not going to understand that purpose of, you're the savior of the world. Right. You know? Right. And so it's almost like a little test. I mean, Jesus does these tests. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to say this. I'm going to see what she says. Yeah. And she immediately, she's like, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. imagine being that lady and just like having that knowledge Mm -hmm. like Jesus has talked to Pharisees who should have this knowledge and this random lady comes up and she's like yeah I see where you're going with this Jesus I already decoded your parable Mm -hmm. and this is this is what I have to say Mm -hmm. even the dogs get some food throw me throw me me a bone yeah yeah throw me a bone and Jesus is like wow I've been speaking to the religious leaders of the day they don't they don't understand it at all 
This random Gentile just came up to me, and she decoded a parable in two seconds. <laughs> she has ears to hear. I'm going to heal her. Yeah. Heal her daughter. Yeah. So cool. Powerful. Yeah. Okay, you want to move on? Yeah. All right, so uh, verse 31. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by way of uh, Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who also had a speech difficulty and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd privately. After putting his fingers in the man's ear, uh, ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha. Uh, that is, be opened. Immediately, his ears were opened, his speech difficulty was removed, and he began to speak clearly. Then he ordered them to tell no one, but the more he would order it, the more they would proclaim it. They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. He even makes deaf people hear and people unable to speak talk. And then that's the end of verse, or excuse me, end of chapter 7. And then after that, you jump into chapter 8 with the feeding of the 4,000. So we have another little story here Mm -hmm. uh, talking about Jesus healing this man who is uh, blind. Or not, is it blind? I'm sorry, I just read this and now I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ears. Um, Ears and tongue, ears and tongue. So he's deaf and then... I always hear it as deaf and mute, but it just says he has a speech difficulty. So Yeah, which of course he would have a speech difficulty if he can't hear things. If he can't hear, yeah. yeah. If he's been deaf since, you know, yeah. birth then Yeah. Or however long. But yeah, so Jesus heals this man. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a few significant parts about this that can kind of be fudged over sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um for me, I think it's we've talked about this before. Jesus sighs deeply here. Mm-hmm. And then says, Ephatha. And I, even in that one verse, is kind of two interesting things to me. Jesus sighing deeply. We had a conversation about this. Because mm-hmm. Mark doesn't, he is not a flowery writer. Nope. He gives you the things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. And then he moves on immediately. Right. He uses that word immediately a lot. Right. A lot. Immediately we're going to move on to the, to mm-hmm. the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, why Why mention that Jesus sighs here? And I don't know if this is something that we necessarily need to get into today because it does reoccur mm-hmm. later. Jesus yeah. will sigh again. Let's let's just put a pin in it. We'll okay. just say, as, as a listener, just hang on to that. Jesus, we are going yeah, to yeah. revisit this conversation. Jesus sighing is significant. Yes, at this moment where he opens up the ears of the deaf man yeah. and releases his tongue. And one of the things that I want to kind of redirect our thoughts maybe for just a second, because he does he does say, be opened, and his difficulty of speech was removed, and he could hear. His ears were opened. Yeah. Okay? Bo- both impediments are gone. 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 Okay. As a reader who has been reading the Old Testament, and I know some things to look for, and you should know some things to look for about the Messiah. As I come across this passage, I'm reminded once again of the prophet Isaiah. Yeah. Isaiah 35 says this. The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and a blossom like a rose. It will bloom abundantly and will also rejoice with singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it and the splendor 
of Carmel and Sharon, and they will see the glory of the Lord. This is the idea of the return to Mount Zion. Okay. Okay, so the people who are dispersed, who are far from God, are going to be brought back to God. Gotcha. Okay, so this is what's going on. And everything that I just talked about sounds like a restoration of Eden. Yeah. He's yeah. restoring the dry land, the the wilderness. It's going to be glad. It's going to be blooming like a rose. It, it will blossom abundantly. Mm-hmm. Wow, look what God's doing. Mm-hmm. The splendor of our God, the strength in the weak hands, steady the shaking hands. Oh, we've seen that already in this book, haven't we? Yeah. Where Jesus strengthens the weak and shaking hands. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. He is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's tribulation is coming. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf, the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. Boy, sounds like a lot of stories that we've heard. Yeah. And the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Huh. Wow. Yeah. For water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool of water and the thirsty land spring of water. This is what we're supposed to look for, the coming of the Messiah. And yeah, and these are the signs. Yes, these are the signs. And this is what's going to happen when, when the new Jerusalem, when, when all people return to Mount Zion, the dwelling place of God. When people come to the dwelling place of God, this is what they will see. And this is Jesus giving a very clear indication of this is what's happening. I am ushering in. And I love this because what, did, what is the very first thing that Jesus said in the book of Mark? Do you remember? Mm, no. I'm not going to try to guess because it's going to be wrong. <laughs> okay. He, the very first thing that he says in the book of Mark, and I'm just going to read just to make sure that I get it exactly right. It says, but the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Interesting. He's, the I'm the kingdom. Yeah. It's has here. come near. Mm-hmm. The kingdom has come near. And that's what he's doing. He's just brought the kingdom to this man. Yeah. Here's the kingdom of God. And it's, a, okay, can I like, you just said, like, the dwelling place mm-hmm. of God, like, yeah. talking about Eden. Yeah. And so, like, you talk about that. You talk about, like, the temple mm-hmm. was the, the temporary dwelling place. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole idea of it's, yeah. it's it's representing Eden. Right. And then Jesus says, I am I'm the temple. Mm-hmm. And I, I he says, I'm going to tear down the temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. Mm-hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. That imagery of yeah. Eden, Jesus, in and of himself, mm-hmm. is Eden. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he, he yeah. is the dwelling place of God. Yes. Because he is God. Yes. He is the temple of God. He is the dwelling place of God. And and he, what he is doing is something so completely different in in the Jewish mentality. Before, yeah. if they wanted to go and draw near to, glo- to God, mm-hmm. they had to travel to Jerusalem. Yeah. They had to travel to that mountain. Yeah. They had to travel to go be near. Yeah. And now Jesus says, repent. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near to you. Yeah, you don't have to go to it. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to come to you. I'm bringing the good news to Uh you. I'm bringing healing to you, restoring you, opening the ears, opening the mouth, opening the eyes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. I love it because so often in the Bible, the early few lines tell us what to look for. Mm-hmm. 
And and that's what Jesus does. That's what yeah. Mark does. He says the first thing that Jesus says in the book of Mark is, repent, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Mm-hmm. And now, as the story unfolds, we see how that plays out. Yeah, and it, and it echoes just the same idea of why the he, why Jesus does these healings. Like mm-hmm. these healings are not haphazard. Nope. He is representing and he is this new kingdom. Yeah. He he is this Eden mm-hmm. that is drawing near to people. Yeah. You don't have to go to it. Everywhere that I go is Eden. Yeah. Cuz I am of myself. Yeah. Am that. Yeah. And so how does that apply to me, to you? Mm-hmm. Boy, we better spend time with God today. Yeah. Every single day of our life, we, we want to draw near to him so he can draw near to us and so that we have a reflection of our life of what God would have for us. In, and how incredible is it that we don't have to travel anywhere to see any particular priest, no. any particular town, any particular city. Jesus is that very dwelling place of God mm-hmm. who has sent his Holy Spirit to indwell the life of the believer. Yeah. And that now we find repentance, hope, joy, peace, all these things. Yeah. The restoration of Eden beginning to take place in each and every single one of our lives mm-hmm. who place our faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. What an awesome story. Yeah. What an incredible thing that God has done through the work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Far beyond the wisdom of man. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's such a, it's a great. Uh, again, we read that, and we could just say that's a cool, that's a very cool uh, miracle Jesus mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. We'll just move on. Yeah, and we miss so much. So I think look at what he's representing. He's actually linking this all the way back to Isaiah, who is linking it all the way back to Genesis. Yeah, Jesus is restoring what was corrupted in the garden. Mm-hmm. Jesus is bringing about the the healing of the nations. Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom, the restoration of Eden that fell at the very beginning yeah. of the story of the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we see this giant link throughout the entire Bible of what what happened at the beginning and it points all the way to Jesus. And the people and the prophets looked forward to that day. Yeah, when Jesus would arrive and and bring in the kingdom, and now we get to look back and say, "Wow, look at how the entire Bible points to the arrival of Jesus Christ on earth." Yeah, yeah, and so like this whole chapter, we've gone through several things, mm-hmm. but I think you can uh, again. The Bible's so cool because you can unify all these together. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mark yeah. Mark knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So we we start off with Jesus giving this story, mm-hmm. uh, or, or not really a story. He he's talking to the Pharisees, right? And he's saying, "Hey, you guys are missing it. Mm-hmm. You're keeping tradition." Mm-hmm. And you're missing the 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 part of this that you really need to see. Yeah. And he's saying, you know what? He, he's proclaiming who he is mm-hmm. in this story. Yeah. And he's saying, you know, you are missing out on the reality of who I am mm-hmm. and what God has for you. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into that list that we touched on a little bit of like mm-hmm. these are the things you need to to not be doing. Mm-hmm. You know. And he hits at the heart of of the disciples who are listening at the Pharisees. And then he goes into, you know, the next story that talks about this, this woman who understands who Jesus is. Right. So you go from these people who don't understand the purpose of Christ at all, who should, who should mm-hmm. to someone who who's a Gentile. Mm-hmm. She's not even the person that, I mean, she can't, Jesus came for her, but mm-hmm. he came first for the Jew. And this Gentile comes up and she's like, 
I understand exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. Your parable makes perfect sense to me, mm-hmm. and I understand who you are and my relationship to you. Right, right. And the other people didn't understand who he was and their relationship to him whatsoever, and they mm-hmm. should have. Mm-hmm. And then after this, you see a miracle happen that draws all the way back to Isaiah mm-hmm. and who, what Jesus is saying who he is mm-hmm. of himself. Mm-hmm. So so this whole, again, the overarching theme is Jesus has come to show people who he is. Mm-hmm. And there are people who understand it, and there are people who don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the same today as it was back then. Right, right. Right? I mean, I, right. I, I'm trying to track this theme throughout yeah. this chapter well, here. Yeah, and, and it's not just the chapter. It's earlier. Well, because, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. the disciples, they didn't get it. Yeah. Right? We yeah, talked absolutely. about that just, just yeah. last time where they still had hardened hearts. And it's just like... Jesus is looking at him like, mm-hmm. do you have hard hearts? Yeah. Like, what's going on? And so we're going to, as we jump into the next phase of this story of yeah. Mark, we're going to revisit this again and say, okay, so now what is being revealed about Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we've are we got some amazing, amazing passages to work through next time. Yeah, I can't I, wait eight is going to gonna be awesome. It. There's yeah. so many cool things. Yeah. I, I think it's just important for me to read this with the understanding of what Jesus' purpose is. Mm-hmm. And it's to show who he is. Mm-hmm. That's his purpose on earth. He's he's saying the kingdom of heaven is here. I am the kingdom. Every miracle, every conversation he has, every parable is designed to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times I just read them as something, I'm just going to try to apply this to my life today. Mm-hmm. And it's really mm-hmm. important to read them in that context. Yeah. So... I have really enjoyed going through seven. Like you say, eight is going to be really fantastic. There's yeah. a lot of awesome stuff we can jump into next week. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. So until then, we will continue studying, yeah. continue reading, Absolutely. continue praying that the Lord gives us wisdom as we uh, practice uh, reading his word, studying it, and applying it to our lives. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Discovery Bible Podcast. I hope you join us next week as we jump into Mark chapter 8. We discuss the feeding of the 4,000 and the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. It's going to be a great episode. Michael and I have really enjoyed working through the Gospel of Mark. I hope you've enjoyed listening along with us, and it's been beneficial to you and your life. So I hope you tune in next week, and we continue this discussion of Mark.